Hey, welcome to The Crossing. So good to see you today. Hope, uh, hope you are doing well. We are in week three of our series that we're calling At the Movies. And uh, this series has just been a blast as we've used movies as this launching pad to talk about spiritual truths in God's Word. But before we jump in today, I want to talk to you about something that's coming up at The Crossing here in a couple months called the Global Leadership Summit. The Global Leadership Summit is a conference that is held every August, and this year it is going to be simulcast from Chicago to 400 different locations. There'll be about 300,000 people across North America that are going to be part of this, and The Crossing is a host site for that. Now, when I talk about a leadership summit, some of you go, oh, well, that doesn't have anything to do with me because I'm not a leader. Well, and I would say, I think you're wrong because all of us are leaders. Whether you lead a company or you lead a family or you lead yourself, all of us lead in some capacity. And leadership is simply defined as influence, that you have the opportunity to influence people who are around you. And one of the reasons why we chose to start hosting the Global Leadership Summit is we wanted to provide tools to maximize the influence of God for God's purpose in your life. And so this conference is on a Thursday and Friday, August 11th and 12th, and we're hosting it right here at The Crossing. It will have some of the most world-class speakers that you've ever heard who've been a part of this. Last year, we had 300 people from The Crossing and then people from about 15 other churches around the area who came, and every single time people have come, and we have, we have gone to different locations over the years. I've done this conference for 20 years, every single time. People from our church say, I wish I would have known about this because I would have brought so-and-so. Well, we want to make that opportunity available to you. And so our goal this year is to have 500 people from The Crossing who will be part of this. And because we are hosting this event and because you are part of The Crossing, that you can attend for less than half price of what everybody else attends for. And uh, we can give you a secret code for that. And don't share it with other people who come in. When you see them, you'll just kind of look at them and go, oh, you paid over twice what I paid. And so... You can find out more about this at a, going to a, thecrossinglv.com. We have a link there, or you can go out into the lobby and find out more information about that. Well, Jesus was a master storyteller. When Jesus talked about spiritual truths, he used modern-day stories to bring those to life. And that's the idea of this series, this At The Movie series. Is movies for us, they're like our modern-day parables. And we're using these modern-day stories to help us understand spiritual truths. And I think today is maybe the most fun of all the movies that we're hitting in these four weeks, that Inside Out is a movie that's about emotions. And it revolves around an 11-year-old girl by the name of Riley. And her family has moved from Minnesota to San Francisco. And it's all of these feelings that come with moving. It's what the movie has revolved around. And the main characters are her five dominant emotions, sadness, joy, fear, disgust, and anger. And these five characters, they're led by joy because we want joy to be in our life and to lead our life. And they sit around in this movie, they sit around a control panel, and they react to the events that happen in her life. And they form memories that will define who she is. Watch this clip. So, as it turns out, the green trash can is not recycling. It's for greens, like compost and eggshells. Mm. And the blue one is recycling. And the black one is Riley is acting so weird. Why is she acting so weird? What do you expect? All the islands are down. Joy would know what to do. That's it. Until she gets back, we just do what Joy would do. Great idea. Anger, fear, disgust. How are we supposed to be happy? Hey, Riley, 
I've got good news. I found a junior hockey league right here in San Francisco, and get this, tryouts are tomorrow after school. What luck, right? Hockey. Uh-oh, what do we do? Guys, uh, th th this, uh, here, you, you pretend to be Joy. Wouldn't it be great to be back out on the ice? Oh yeah, that sounds fantastic. What was that? That wasn't anything like Joy. Uh, because I'm not Joy? Yeah, no kidding. Did you guys pick up on that? Uh-huh. Sure did. Something's wrong. Should we ask her? Let's probe, but keep it subtle so she doesn't notice. So, how was the first day of school? She's probing us. I'm done. You pretend to be Joy. What? Okay. Um, hmm. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Oh, very smooth. That was just like Joy. Something is definitely going on. She's never acted like this before. What should we do? We're gonna find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. Ahem. With a nice pass over the comes across the right. Uh-oh, she's looking at us. Uh, what did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? <sighs> He's making that stupid face again. I could strangle him right now. Signal him again. Ah, so, Riley, how was school? Riley! Oh, oh, kidding me? For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot? Boo, I'll be joy. School was great, all right? Riley, is everything okay? Ugh. <sighs> Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. What is her deal? All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude, okay? No, 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 stay happy! What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON 2. Listen, young lady, I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Pops? Come and get it! Yeah, well, well... Here it comes. Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Just shut up! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. Now. Foot is down. The foot is down. Good job, gentlemen. That could have been a disaster. Well, that was a disaster. Come, fly with me, Gachinha. The foot is down. That explains... Your dinner table so many nights of the week, doesn't it? That all of our emotions, they are created by God. That all of our emotions, they are valid and valuable. But rarely do we talk about paying attention to our emotions. Because usually we're just paying attention to the outside of us. See, we learn at an early age about monitoring our behavior. Your parents want you to do certain things. They want you to not do certain things. That we learn about monitoring our behavior but no one ever talks about monitoring our emotions, about monitoring our hearts. Well, Jesus addresses this throughout the New Testament. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 7. Let me give you a little bit of a context of what's happening here in this story. Jesus has just fed the 5,000, and his popularity is at an all-time high. That even back in Jesus' time, people love free food, and so when he fed them, they came back for more. And everywhere he goes now, there's these large crowds, and people are showing up. And 
the religious leaders are starting to take notice. And the religious leaders decide that they're going to go and confront Jesus. And so they travel from Jerusalem up to Galilee where Jesus is to confront him because they see this as their opportunity to stop Jesus' popularity. Well, in Mark chapter 7, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Now, Mark is writing his gospel to mostly a Gentile audience. So they didn't understand the Jewish culture. They didn't understand Jewish traditions. So Mark is going to explain that to us here in this parenthetical uh, part right here in verse 3. It says, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. That the reason that the Pharisees were so upset is because the disciples were ignoring the tradition of the elders. And They had all of these special things that they had a way that they were supposed to wash their dishes, that they would be ceremonial clean, and how they would wash their hands before they ate. This wasn't about getting the germs off. This was about being ceremonial clean. So they would take a half of a cup of an egg. They would take a half an egg, and they would pour water over their their hands with all of the water going this way to represent that all of the defilement of your body was kind of washing away from you. Well, the the disciples were not doing this. So here in verse 5, They decide to confront Jesus, these religious leaders. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? That they're confronting Jesus and going, okay, do they not care about the tradition of the elders? Do Do they not really think that all of this is important? Well, Jesus answers them. And he says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. No, he's about to go. He's about to have the guns out. And he says, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. That as Jesus begins to to talk to him, it's interesting because he doesn't even defend the, the disciples. Because apparently they're guilty as charged, but obviously this is not a big deal to Jesus. This is not something that he needs to defend or wants to, to change them. But he says, as Isaiah says, that you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from God. That you look good on the outside, but the inside is far from God. Another time Jesus said this, Jesus said, you are like whitewashed tombs, that you look good on the outside, But on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. Verse 8, he says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Jesus says, you don't care about the commands of God because what you do is you find loopholes to get around God's commands. And he begins to talk about one of the commands of God. He says, even Moses said, to honor your father and mother. And in this culture, one of the ways that they did that is your parents begin to age. You would take care of them. But the the religious leaders, they would get around that. And they would say that they've dedicated all of their money to God, so there was no money to take care of their parents. And Jesus says, you found this loophole to break God's command, but you're worried about some tradition. Verse 17, it says, after he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable, because Jesus gives just a short parable to illustrate this. And Jesus says, are you so dull, he asked? 
Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For if it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of their body. And it's like, well, that's kind of the way it works. I mean, when you eat something, it goes into your mouth and then out of your body. Now, this is a very kind translation because what Jesus actually says, it's actually a euphemism that's, that means to be thrown into the toilet. So what Jesus is actually saying here is he says, when you eat, it goes into your mouth and then you throw it into the toilet. And then he ends like this, verse 20. He went on, he says, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of the person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside, and that's what defiles a person. That all of these come from inside. And it's deeper than what comes out of your mouth. Jesus says, it's a problem of the heart. And you think, well, evil thoughts, that's something in your mind. Jesus says, no, it starts in the heart. Murder and adultery and stealing, that's something that you do. Jesus says, that comes from your heart. That the stuff that comes out of your mouth, the stuff that comes out of your life, it reflects what's on the inside, what's in your heart. The heart in this culture, it represented the seat of emotions. Then when they talked about the heart, it represented the seat of emotions. It's where the emotions come from. It's joy and sadness and anger and rage and happiness and excitement and fear and intimacy. It's where all of these come from. Now, if you come into my office, one of the things that people often say when they walk into my office, they go, you have one of the cleanest desks of anybody we've ever seen. Now, that's true, but what they don't know is I have a junk drawer in my desk that is packed. I don't know if you have a junk drawer. Okay, just me. I'm the only one. So I, I, that's where I put all my letters, where I put all my brochures, stuff that I don't want to throw away, but I don't know what to do with it. And I clean it out about once a year. Right now, it's at the place where you kind of have to shove it down and then get the drawer shut. If you've got one of those, you know what I'm talking about. And anytime you open it, stuff just comes out. Well, the emotions, that the heart is the junk drawer of all the emotions. That your heart is the junk drawer of all the emotions. And when you open it up, stuff begins to come out when you least expect it. Here's the way Solomon talks about this. Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 4. He says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything flows out of your heart. It is the source of all of your emotions and all of your actions. Everything you do flows from the condition of your heart. Think of your life like a river, that a river has a source, and it's flowing into you, and there's a source to, you, to your life, and from that source, everything flows, and so if the source of your life gets polluted, then it affects everything that flows out of it, everything that flows out of it. Christianity is an inside-out faith. Christianity is an inside-out faith that God works inside of us to bring something out of us. That God wants to do something in you that will eventually come out of you. See, Christianity is not about behavior modification. Christianity is not be good. Christianity is not just stay out of trouble. The essence of Christianity is God renewing our hearts and renewing our minds. So that ultimately there is a different kind of behavior. But it's not behavior modification. It's not stop this and start this. 
It is showing God's work in us so that the emotions that leak out of us, they come from God. That those things that begin to leak out of us, that those are the things that honor God. When my daughter, Corey, was a little girl, um, we were at the church before this, and she was in Sunday school class. And her teachers asked that if anybody had any prayer requests, and Corey raised her hand. She says, I want to pray for my mommy and daddy. She says, yeah. I said, they've been fighting all the way to church today. <laughs> but you have to understand, I'm one of the pastors of the church. <laughs> the Sunday school teacher was a friend of mine, and so she's like, well, tell me more. Yeah, I'd like to hear about this. <laughs> she says, well, my daddy wants more kids, and my mommy doesn't. So daddy said on the way here, if you don't want any more kids, can we at least still practice? That what happens in your house when you have little kids, what happens in your house does not stay in your house. It comes out when you least expect it. Whatever is in your heart, it's going to come out when you least expect it. And eventually it's going to come out. And you say something, you go, I don't know where that came from. That's not me. Well, that's not completely true. What you meant to say is, I don't have a filter that works right all the time. Because our tongues reveal the emotions that are in our hearts. That whatever is in your heart is going to come out of your mouth and is going to be a representation of your actions. All of those things come out. So what do we do with all this? Well, I have three things for today. Three things. I have a principle, and then I, we're going to focus in on a question that I want you to ask, and then we're going to close with prayer. So we're going to start with a principle. Is that here is this principle for this whole inside-out idea, is that God's plan is to change you from the inside out. This is God's plan for your life, that God works inside us to bring something out of us that honors him. That all of your emotions, they were created by God. That they are neither good nor bad in and of themselves. Think about anger. Is anger a sin? No. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4.26, he says, in your anger, do not sin. It is possible to be angry and to control your anger in such a way and to respond in a way that honors God. Remember Jesus when he came into the temple and the money changers were in there and Jesus is mad because not only are they ripping people off, people are coming in to, to offer sacrifices and so they're, they're putting these huge exorbitant prices so that they'll have to pay more. It's that supply and demand. Not only is that happening, but they're set up in the area where the Gentiles would come in and to be able to worship God. And Jesus becomes angry. And Jesus clears the temple, and he gets rid of them. See, anger is an emotion that can be good or bad, that can be used for good or bad. Fear is a great emotion in certain circumstances. This is what keeps you from driving 100 miles an hour on the highway. It's fear. It's fear you're going to get a ticket, and they're going to take your car away, and it's fear that you, know, you might get hurt or you might die. That when you go hiking out on a mountain, it is fear that keeps you from going clear to the edge and looking over. It's fear. And this emotion that we have that can protect you can also be harmful. The number one most common command in Scripture is fear not. God says this command more than any other command in the entire Bible to fear not. Because here's what God knows. is For some of you, it is your fear that you have with God that is keeping you from taking the steps of faith to where God wants to take you in your life. And God would say to you, fear not, 
Fear not. So you become aware of your emotions, but you don't become your emotions. This is explains what, why so many of your marriages may be struggling right now, is that you have some emotions that are controlling some things in your life and in your relationships. That you become aware of your emotions, but you do not become your emotions. That emotions have the power to destroy, and they have the power to heal. That God's plan is to change you from the inside out. That is God's plan for you. And all this sets us up for the one thing I'm going to ask you to do this week. And this is going to require courage. And it's going to require humility. And it is not going to be easy. But if you will do this, if you will do this, this might be the breakthrough in your life that you've been waiting for. And I'm going to challenge you to ask a question. To ask a question to a few people in your life, to two or three people in your life. Maybe they're, they're family, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's somebody from work. But I'm going to challenge you to ask this question right here. What's it like to be on the other side of me? That's the question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Because I've never been there. I've never been on the other side of me. We've never been married to us. We don't know what it's like to be our mom or dad. We don't know what it's like to be our friend. And so here's the question. It's going to some people in your life that you trust and say, can you just tell me, what is it like to be on the other side of me? A few years ago, Dr. Henry Cloud was at the Global Leadership Summit, and he said that you, have to, that you and I have to ask these questions, and they help us identify our blind spots, that everybody in here has blind spots. You have some spiritual blind spots. You have some relational blind spots. You have some emotional blind spots. You have some parenting blind spots. You have some financial blind spots. This is why some of you, you keep making the same financial mistakes over and over because it is this blind spot that you do not see, that there are areas in your life that you can't see. According to research, all of us have an average of three to four blind spots. You know how I know that that's true? That when I said that, immediately you go, not me. You know, I don't have these blind spots. See, the danger with blind spots is that you have no idea they exist because they're blind spots. You don't see them. But you ask the people around you, they know. You ask the people who are in your life, and they can tell you about your blind spots. So this question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? This is a powerful question, but it's not an easy question. Let me tell you what's gonna, what you're going to hear this week. That if you ask this question, you're going to hear three things. The first thing you're going to hear is you're going to hear some encouraging information about yourself. The second thing is you're going to hear some surprising information. They're going to say something. You go, really? I had no idea. And then the third thing is you're going to get your feelings hurt. I guarantee it. You will get your feelings hurt. No question about it. How do I know that? Well, I actually asked this question a couple times this week. I had a couple people who I asked this question to. I would never ask you to do something here that I'm not doing. And so as I begin to think about this over the past few weeks, I thought, I think this question right here can really help us to get at some of these emotions. I just had to get the courage myself. Okay, I've got to ask this question. And so I sat down with my wife a few days ago, and I asked this question. I go, what's it like to be on the other side of me? 
And she said, are you asking me this so that you can tell me what's wrong with me? I go, no, this has nothing to do with you. This has nothing to do with you. This is all about me. And when you ask this question, when you ask this question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? I don't want you to interrupt. I don't want you to apologize. I don't want you to rationalize or defend. I simply want you to listen and to hear what they have to say. And after you begin to listen, you may need to go to your Heavenly Father and begin to pour out your heart to your Heavenly Father and to say, Heavenly Father, this is what people are saying. I think that 90% of this is inaccurate. <laughs> but there may be truth to that 10%. And I wonder what could change in your life if you would begin to at least take that 10% that you can admit to and let God begin to clean that out. Let God begin to work in you. Emotions that stay buried, they are powerful. They drive you. But when you identify them, they begin to lose their power. In the movie, all of the emotions are controlled by joy because we want joy to be evident in our life. We want joy in our life. And she doesn't really want sadness to be around. This is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Watch this. Oh, sadness. I have a super important job just for you. Really? Mm-hmm. Follow me. What are you doing? And there. Perfect. This is the circle of sadness. Your job is to make sure that all the sadness stays inside of it. Can anybody else relate to that? It's like, I just want all of my sadness just to stay right where it is. That we think if we, we, would be, we would be better off if we could just get rid of our sadness, that life would be better. But true joy is not the absence of sadness. True joy is the presence of God changing you from the inside out. Listen to these scriptures that talk about joy. Nehemiah chapter 8, it says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Think about that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Psalm 51, David writes this. He says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That this is the stuff that's flowing out of us. What's it like to be on the other side of me? See, even by asking this question, it might be a breakthrough for you. So I don't want you to leave today wondering, what, are we, what was I supposed to do? You know, what did he talk about? Is there something I'm supposed to do? So we're going to actually practice this because some of you are going to need practice asking this question. So we're going to practice together. What's it like to be on the other side of me? And we've got him up here, so let's say this together. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Some of you actually meant that. That this is the question that I think maybe could change so much. What's it like to be on the other side of me? When you think about your life, do you like who you're becoming? See, maybe this question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Maybe this is a question that you need to take to God. And the truth is, some of you are angry with God. You're angry with God. Is it okay to be angry with God? Yes. But it's not okay to stay there. 
It's not okay to not deal with this in your life. This last fall, I introduced you to a prayer. It's a prayer of awareness that comes out of Psalm 139. It's a prayer that begins to ask the question to God, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And it starts with these two powerful words. Search me. Search me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting to search me. So here's what I want to do. I just want to ask you just to bow your heads. And I'm going to lead you through just a moment of prayer. I'm going to lead you through some things that I want you to pray to God. I'm going to ask you some questions that I want you to deal with, and then I'll pray for us together. Search me, oh God. Just say that right now. Just pray that. Search me, God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. So how is your heart these days? Are there any emotions that are out of control in you? Are you mad at anybody? Are you waiting for anyone to come to you to make things right? Is there anything that's coming out of your mouth that you wish that you could take back? Have you secretly celebrated someone's failure in the past several days? When was the last time that you felt joy? And why? Why does joy seem to evade your life? Do you have any secrets? Are there any fears that seem overwhelming right now? Do you feel distant from God? God, this is our prayer to search us. To search us. And God, we are dealing with so many different things and we want our heart, what flows out of our heart to be what comes from you. And so we're asking that you would do an inside-out work in us. God, that you would begin to do some heart work in us so that the emotions and the actions that come out of us would reflect somebody who's been with Jesus. God, help us to have the courage to begin to face some of these issues in our life. To not say it's okay to just stay there and to keep walking in this, but to address these things to search us. And God, we ask you and we invite you to come and change us from the inside out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.